All right, TMG Podcast in three, two, and hello, ladies and gentlemen, and hello to all the ships at sea. Welcome to the weekly award-winning TMG Podcast, where the boys are here, and we are uh, taking on all subjects as it pertains to college football or anything else that strikes our fancy. Uh, and before we get started, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, APA, APBA, the unchallenged king of realistic, high-quality sports simulation products. Also want to thank David at Revelation Studios in beautiful Mansfield, Texas. Okay, let's call the roll, see if everybody's here. Mr. Blauschen from Situate, Massachusetts, are you with us today? I am here, so I'm ready to go. And from the Windy City, Mr. Herb Gould. I am here and excited about the uh, Badgers rolling over Michigan. Indeed, indeed. And Mr. Lucci, Mr. Lucci from the Pride of New Jersey, how are you, sir, today? I'm doing well today, Tony. Uh, you're going to get started here. All right, here we go. Well, let's let's start with this. Let's talk about the unfortunately the virus in the room, the elephant in the room. We had 15 games postponed or canceled last week. We've already heard of four today, one in the SEC, Ole Miss at Texas A&M. I, I'm going to start my questioning with Mr. Blauschen. Mr. Blauschen, could, could you help me understand? I'm not very smart, particularly when it comes to numbers, but could right. you explain to me how contract contact tracing works? Because what I'm seeing is a team that has – two or three guys test positive, and then they can't play. Could you explain that to me? Well, that's because you met someone who did test positive, and they're afraid that, that, that uh, you will get the, that you will come down with it. I mean, that's, they're being super cautious, which I totally understand. But, but here's the amazing part about this, and, and, and I, you know, it's been written about before. Boston College has been practicing since July. No positive tests. Zero. Wow. That's an amazing stat. I mean, that's just an amazing stat that, that I, you know, I, I don't know what they're doing up at, at the heights and in that regard, but, but they're, they're doing that right. Well, not, I mean, knock on wood, the same has been the case. The, the only person at Alabama that's gotten, gotten it was uh, Nick Saban, the head coach, and that turned out to be uh, a false positive. Uh, guys, what this is doing, uh, what this is doing is it, it, it is putting it a lot of pressure on everybody uh, to get these games in. The SEC had four games postponed last week alone. They only played three. Now they've got one. Uh, they are working on a scheduling model. And let's just, I'm, I want to get you guys' take on this. But the SEC implemented a scheduling model last week, and it goes something like this. This week, the games that, the way the games are scheduled or the way they're going to be played, if the virus is willing. Obviously, we've already lost Texas A&M uh, and Ole Miss. So that's six games left, but those games are going to be played as scheduled. But starting next week, starting next week, uh, there, there'll be four Saturdays left. There'll be the 28th, the 5th of December, the 12th of December, and the SEC has gotten permission to use the 19th of December, yes, the day of the SEC championship game, as a play-in date. So what's going to start happening in the SEC starting next Monday, the conference office is basically going to take over scheduling and trying to get some of these games in. I mean, Herb Gould, I mean, that's, that's how bad this thing has gotten. The SEC 
has the SEC has played 43 of 70 scheduled games, and they're going to have to fight tooth and nail to get those last 27 games in. Yeah, it's pretty tough, Tony. I think that what we need to do with this college football season is everybody needs to take a step back and realize that there are going to be these postponements, and, and many of them could lead to cancellations. I mean, in Big Ten and Pac-12, that's pretty much the case. Uh, and not worry too much about how many games people play. The fact that they're playing at all. I mean, I remember having this conversation with, with Blau in the middle of the summer, and we were saying, I don't see how they can play at all. So let's just appreciate the the portion of the season we've had. And then, you know, if teams play fewer games, you know, deal with these things as they come up. You know, you're not going to be able to do it the normal way. Uh, so, you know, you're going to have to evaluate teams based on the games they've played and then just say, well, they don't have enough games or they didn't show enough and just appreciate what we've been able to do in, in what they've been able to do in this pandemic. So, Tom Lucci, what it comes down to is is that you play as just work on playing as many games as you can and let the selection committee sort it all out at the end of the day. Right. Well, a couple of things. I think you start by allowing fewer fans. In. Let, let's start there. Uh, you know, I don't want to see these 18,000, 19,000 crowds anymore, you know, because it's, it's just counterproductive. That's the first thing. The second thing is if the SEC, which started before the Pac-12 and Big Ten did, is struggling to get games in, what's going to happen if there's another outbreak at, uh, involving Wisconsin and they lose two more games? They've already lost two. They don't qualify for the playoffs. They could be unbeaten. They could beat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game and, and still not have enough games played. It, it goes to Herb's point. I just think we need to take a step back and kind of adjust on the fly. on how we're, If the committee thinks that 5-0 and Wisconsin is one of the best four teams in the country, then they should probably get in. You know, But we're going to have to, like Herb said, adjust kind of on the fly. And uh, it's, it's just a a really haphazard, crazy, wild season. Well, this is, you know, this is probably a pretty good place to go ahead and transition uh, into this because this topic affects the playoffs. It obviously does. So I've got to here, here's the question that I have. And, and uh, Tom, you just mentioned this. I mean, Ohio State had a game with Maryland canceled. That, that game is not going to be made up. And so, Mark, I'll ask you. Let me ask: Is this is Ohio State the best Ohio State can do right now? Is eight and zero? That's the best. That's the best they can do. If they lose another game, the, the selection committee won't tell us this. But Mark, do you believe there is a number out there? And if you don't get to that number, you're not going to get in the playoffs. I, I, I think it's either five or six. I mean, I think there's a seven definitely. They can lose two games because because you're, you're looking at we don't we don't know how many games. The SEC could lose in the next three weeks. They could be down to they could be down to seven games as well, eight, eight games yep. as well. I mean, they really could or seven games. So everyone's going to lose games. So I I, I think you know if you, if you can't make half your season, which is you know what five games, you know or, or you know then I, then I think that's a problem. But anything above from five games and above, I, I think if you're that good, get consideration. Well, you know, Tom said you got to you got to change the rules. You got to be flexible with the rules. Yeah, you know, I, if I might add another another thought, I, I think we saw uh, Bob Bowlesby talking, uh, the Big 12 commissioner, about, you know, possibly delaying the college football playoff. And then and then he backtracked and 
said that he didn't mean it that strongly. I, I guess the point that, that I would make is that given all of the crazy, unprecedented things that are going on here, they, they could actually, I, I don't know if it's practical, but it would seem to make sense to me to think about maybe you play, maybe you allow more time for the regular season and maybe you play the, you know, the, the playoffs and the bowl games later. I, I don't know that that's practical, but you got to at least look at that because they started late. You know, if you want to play, then do that. And if you don't, then you're going to have to deal with this, this short form. But I, what would be the, what would be so terrible if they backed up these games and backed up their whole schedule. I mean, it's a pandemic, for goodness sake. You know, it's a good point, Herb, because it's not impractical in this one sense. You're, you're not affecting 80,000 fans traveling. You know, I mean, it, it's going to be very limited attendance anyway. So you're not putting fans out if you move these games back, these playoff games and, and some of these bowl games. I, I just, And it's not like people are, are traveling. There's a lot of air travel going on either. So yeah. it is more practical than it's ever been to do something like that at this late stage of the year. Yeah, that would my thought. And the other part is that, you know, it's not, you know, you're not bumping into things either. You know, the, there's just there's just room to do it. Yeah, I, I, you guys, I, I sort of take my cues from what the Southeastern Conference commissioner is saying. And last week he addressed this and he said, look. The, the, the question went to him about moving the SEC championship game from December 19th to maybe a week later, two weeks later. And he said, you know, guys, at some point we can't keep moving the bar. We have to have a we have to have a we got to land this plane at some point. It's got to be a finish line. I think that that was based on his intelligence last week. If this gets worse, I think you have to open. You have to at least have that discussion. Uh, why is that right, the case, right, I don't think it's bad enough now, but it could get bad enough. But why is that the case that we can't keep moving the finish line? We moved the starting point consistently. We did. You know, so why can't we move the finish line? How does that impact? Well, here, here, but look, here's, here's the thing, and, and this is where you talked about the tennis. But here, but TV, again, is, is, is the culprit in this, is the two semifinal games this year are January 1, Sugar Rose Bowl. Okay. So, uh, so what are you going to do if you have to push things back? What, what, and, and say you can't, you can't play the championship games until December 26th, right? Well, then, then what, what, is, what, what are the semifinal games? You're not going to NBC, and I mean ESPN is not going to give, give up prime time Sugar New Year's Day Sugar Rose Bowl semifinal games. That's not going to happen. Right? Well, I know, but you know what? You got you, you have to think outside the box. We just played a Masters in November. You know, that would be and so you know, maybe you don't play maybe you don't play those playoff games until January. People want to watch them. So, so, kids so, play so what is what, what okay, Turb, I agree with you. What 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 does the ESPN do on January one the sugar and rose bowl? What do they what what do they put in that slot? Well then they're gonna show the Iron Bowl or they're gonna show <laughs> Michigan, Ohio State. They're gonna show whatever seems to line up. They're going to have but no, but, but, but people but watch you, it. You're playing championship games on the 26th. You're not going to have any games uh, on, on, on the first. It's too many, you can't play a, a, a semifinal game four days after a championship game. Yeah. Well, put it this way: they can't, they can't. The conference championship games can't move. I don't think unless the playoffs decide they'll move. And right now, I don't see any appetite for that. But look, 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 look Lucci's right. Is it? You know, things things change, and we'll see we'll see what happens this week and next week. But the fascinating thing is, the SEC taking over the scheduling 
to get all the, they will prioritize what games have to get in on the available Saturdays that are left. Again, starting next week, you got the 28th, the 5th of December, the 12th of December, and the SEC could play as many as seven games on December 17th, uh, December, uh, yeah, December 19th. Uh, around the SEC championship game, just to get the games in, uh, <laughs> that wouldn't that be wild? That would be cool. Put them all on the I SEC network. No. <laughs> that would be crazy. Hey, let, let me ask you this: while, while we're on the subject of the playoff, I'll start with you, Herb. What Notre Dame did to Boston College last week impressed me, because if there was any team that was ever ready for a letdown, it was Notre Dame, and they didn't let down. They played well. And to me, this sort of opens the door. Hey, if, obviously, if they beat Clemson in the SEC champ, ACC championship game, they're in if they went out. But now, even if they lose to Clemson in the ACC championship game, the way that Notre Dame has played, you're going to have to at least give them consideration. Fair? Yeah, absolutely, Tony. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, Notre Dame Saturday it was looked like a team that now has momentum. They're playing well because that Boston College is – you know, they were pumped up for that game and, and they, they gave Notre Dame their best shot. Uh, you know, but Notre Dame, if they, unless they get drilled by Clemson, I mean, if they're if they're competitive against Clemson, I would have to think they're the favorite for that fourth slot. You know, assuming that, you know, as we've discussed, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, I would put Notre Dame in there. You know, the other possibilities, you know, another SEC team, maybe Texas A&M. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of a case for Cincinnati, but if you had to pick today, uh, knowing that Notre Dame loses competitively to Clemson, they're the fourth team in that playoff. Well, here, here's another interesting factor, though, and it's the Florida Gators. Uh, the Florida Gators, after pounding Georgia, were very, very impressive uh, Saturday night against Arkansas, a team with a pretty good defense. Uh, I think that I want the group to tell me if I'm wrong. Based on what I've seen of Florida the last two weeks, Mark Blashen, I think they can hang with Alabama in the SEC championship game. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I agree with you 100%, Tony. I, I think that'll be a very interesting game for, for, for Alabama when it, when it comes down to that because, yeah, they can they can definitely uh, hang with Alabama. So, uh, but getting back to the no-dame thing, Herb, there's one thing that we forgot about, and, and Tom, Tom might have had a couple weeks last week. They have a game at Chapel Hill. Uh, you know, the, the day after Thanksgiving, weekend after Thanksgiving, uh, North Carolina is going to score against Notre Dame. Now, whether North yeah. Carolina can stop Notre Dame anytime is, is another question. But North Carolina is going to put points up on the board, and they could very easily lose that game to Chapel Hill. They could very lose, easily lose that game, which is why I think conspiracy theory comes in, where I think there's going to be a serious COVID case where that game might get canceled. I tell you what, I tell you what, guys, North Carolina was down twenty-one. Wake Forest in that shootout. They came back and won by 14. I sent our I sent our friend Mac Brown text messages as well. You had them all the way, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> and he just said, I can't, I said, I can't believe that. This is a team uh with Sam Howell and their skill people. They're they're really dead. And that's you know, that game is on December 5th. That's uh that game with Notre Dame. That's that's gonna be yeah. uh, interesting. Yeah. Tom Lucci, this is the question I was going to ask you, though. If 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 we if we believe that Florida can hang with Alabama, 
and we believe that Notre Dame can hang with Clemson. Let's say Notre Dame loses a close game to Clemson. Florida beats Alabama to win the SEC championship. And your choices for the fourth spot, Tom Lucci, are Notre Dame or a one-loss Alabama. Well, it's a one-loss Alabama to me, but uh, because of the, it depends on that game too, Tony. I, here's my reservation about Florida beating Alabama, and it's because I talk about hypothetically. I'm not sure Florida has a. And listen, I picked them preseason one. I'm not sure they have a championship caliber defense. They that don't. Concerns me. Uh, you know, yeah. I've watched them all year. They give up a lot of points. They give up a lot of yards. Uh, they score a lot of points. But they've been uh, more talented than I would say uh, five of the six teams they played. Even Georgia, I, I would say, they're more talented. Um, and they gave up 41 to Texas State. I, I don't know. 28 to Georgia is a lot. Anyway, uh, what the one thing we've discounted completely is the Pac-12 champion. What if yep. USC and Oregon go both headed to the Pac-12 championship game unbeaten? That winner has to get consideration, don't they? They do have to get consideration, but if Oregon's sitting there at seven and zero, or USC is sitting there at seven and zero, do they get in over a one-loss Notre Dame or a one-loss Alabama? That's to me that that's the question. Hey guys, a couple of more uh, uh, playoff playoff situations is uh, we talked about Notre Dame going to North Carolina. Ohio State has Indiana. Illinois, Michigan State, and Michigan left. Clemson has Florida State, Pittsburgh, and Virginia Tech. Uh, Florida has an easy schedule down the way, so we we shall see. Guys, before before we move on to this week's games, though, I've got to ask, and it's a depressing topic. Herb Gould, Jim Harbaugh, your thoughts? You know, I, it's just not. It's not working out there, Tony. I mean, I, I'm I'm as patient as anybody about this stuff because I always try to take the long view of, you know, how do you – if you change coaches, who's better? And Harbaugh just seemed to be the perfect guy there. But after six years, it's just not working out, and they I think they need to make a change. I'm going to address that this week at the website. He, he It just hasn't happened. I, I don't exactly know. I, I heard Urban Meyer speaking about this, and – talking about you know there's just basically the bottom line is there it's just there's not there's not a trust between coaches and players uh there's not a scheme i don't know that they've recruited it well enough i mean you can you can go through all the reasons but the bottom line is that they need a new a new chain a new face in ann arbor it just hasn't happened uh i like jim harbaugh's quirkiness i i was rooting for him but after six years they need to just move on Tom, I heard one analyst, and I can't remember who it was, but I, I thought it was very profound when it came to Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. I said, that team doesn't do anything particularly well. And it's true. They don't seem to do anything, Tom. Well, when, it, when a Don Brown defense is this bad, there are obviously issues on defense. And the quarterback situation in year six under Har- Harbaugh should not be this bad. It's, it's to me, it's kind of similar to Penn State. To you know, two things that Michigan and Penn State should never have a shortage of, regardless of injuries, um, you know, uh, transfers, whatever it might be. They should always have a capable quarterback. They should always have quality running backs, plural backs. Neither team has that, and it's shocking to me. And that's why they're both struggling at this point. I mean, I don't think Harbaugh has an answer at quarterback, 
And, uh, you know, defensively, like I say, they're, they're a nightmare defensively. Well, they, they, it's like anything else. Well, I'm, this is this is a very good transition into our next topic. Uh, there comes a point with a coach and a school. It's like a bad marriage. You need you need to part part as friends, but it doesn't work for either one of you now. And that's what that's what uh, seems to me is going on at Michigan. That's also what seems to me to be going on at South Carolina, where last night they let Will Muschamp go. I mean, Muschamp uh, in his fifth year there, two and five, went four and eight last year. Uh, they had lost fourteen out of their last twenty games. And they gave up only 59 to uh, Ole Miss over Saturday. They got blown out by Texas A&M, 48 to three, and before that, they gave up 52 to Can I LSU. Say something quick on that, Tony. Can I say something quick on that. In the SEC, is the only conference that would pay out 13 to 15 million in a pandemic, to, you know, to fire a coach. That's the first. Oh thing. yeah. Secondly, well, I, yeah. Secondly, perceptually, this is horrible on South Carolina's part. I'm not saying he shouldn't get fired. When you're furloughing people at school, and you're willing to pay 13 million, when you can reduce that and just let them run out the string of the last three games, it's not like people are not showing up for games. There's no crowds. So right. Just run out the, the the timing perceptually to me. This was a, a bungled, mishandled PR nightmare for South Carolina. Well, I was on a Zoom call with Ray Tanner, the athletic director, this morning, and he said he was asked about that specifically and said his 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 payout will not will come on a yearly amortized basis. Uh, they, they're not going to give him the 13 million up front. They're going to pay him what they owe him for this year. If he gets another job, uh, what he it's has paid at that job will be deducted from yeah, what they offset. owe him. But, I, I, but you're, but you're right, Luch. You're right, Luch. The optics are bad. Yes. Perception yeah. looks really bad. Uh, when everybody's doing belt, uh, tight, belt tightening and especially in South Carolina where they've had furloughs. You know, and, and, and guys, I mean, Mike Bobo was the interim coach, right? Yep. Uh, he he came out of, I mean, he's got a cloud over from Colorado State for a variety of issues. That's a, the aspects in that one aren't good either. Well, I, Mike Bobo, I've known Mike Bobo since he was a player at Georgia. He's not going to get the he's not going to get the job at South Carolina when, when all is said. They are going out now, and they're going to find next or. They're going to find an offensive guru. Uh, uh, Ray Tanner said basically said as much today. Uh, can you say Can you say Hugh Freeze? Uh, yeah. He was Hugh, Hugh has spent his time in exile, and it, it's it's going to be very interesting to see if South Carolina goes after him. And oh, by the way, they're uh, they're eight zero after beating uh, after beating Western Carolina. They have beaten. Two SEC teams, Syracuse and Virginia Tech. Now they've got NC State on Saturday. Uh, well, I would ask you, Tony, what about I, – I, I've seen some mentions of, of your friend at Louisiana yep. uh, as a possible South Carolina candidate. What do you think of that? I think that, I think that would be a very good choice. Billy Napier – now, he, he learned a lot of his football at Alabama and Clemson. Uh, he is the son of a high school coaching legend. Uh, in the in the state of South Carolina, and so he he would be an interesting interesting pick. He's had chances to lead before. I think I think that would be a very Steve Sarkeesian's name has also come up. Uh, Sarkeesian Sarkeesian has resurrected his career, which had hit rock bottom. Uh, he has come to Alabama and done, the second time around and done 
an incredible job. So that's uh, now that's going to be fascinating. But but the thing is, I brought that up simply because the narrative was hardly anybody's going to get fired this year, and I still think that's the case because a they don't have the money, and b if you can just manage your team through this COVID schedule, you've probably done a really good job. So we shall see. There's only been one other firing, right, Tony, at, at Utah State? Uh, yeah, they, they fired uh, Gary Anderson at Utah Gary State. Anderson, so yeah. right now there have only been two. The Southern Miss coach resigned after the first game. Yeah, right. Uh, but I think that's uh, I think that's about it. I, okay, let me transition then into this week's game. Big weekend for the Big Ten. Ohio State, Indiana at noon on Fox, Wisconsin at Northwestern, 3.30 on ABC. I mean, basically, Herb, we're looking at – looks like we're looking at the uh, Big Ten quarterfinals here or the Big Ten semifinals. You're absolutely right, Tony. And I think that given the the short duration of the Big Ten season – I would expect Ohio State, if if they are capable of it, and and I believe they are. I think they will they will really come out like gangbusters against Indiana. And Indiana has a nice team, but they're just not in the same weight class. I, I would expect that that Ohio State is going to really come out and play a very strong game. Wisconsin Northwestern is a little tighter. I, I think Wisconsin is in a little a little different weight class than Northwestern, but Northwestern is a, is a very capable team. They're playing great defense. I think that one could be a little bit tighter, especially with Wisconsin um, having, you know, a young quarterback. And, and frankly, I hate to, it's sort of odd to say this, but Wisconsin hasn't been tested yet. I mean, we know Minnesota's not very good and, and Michigan is historically bad. Uh, Wisconsin looks terrific, but we'll find out on Saturday. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Those are two games that are going to go a long way toward determining the Big Ten. Luch, Ohio State's favored by 20. That's a big number. That is a big number. And you know what? It has to be by 20 because this is the only respectable opponent that Ohio State plays all year. So the rest of their schedule is absolutely atrocious. You know, the way it has, has fallen. Michigan's terrible. Penn State's terrible. Nebraska's terrible. Michigan State's terrible. Rutgers is terrible. They're all terrible. Illinois, <laughs> they're bad football teams, and this is Ohio State's schedule. So this is their one big game uh, to make a statement. They have to do it. The other thing I would, I would say quickly, Tony, I think it's just uh, just as big a weekend for the group of five schools. Uh, if you look at things around the country, you got App State at Coastal Carolina. Yep. You know, 6-1, 7-0. you got Cincinnati at USF. Mm-hmm. That game is a pick'em, which surprised me when I saw the first line. You know, uh, and you have Liberty at NC State, and, and that's a big game for Liberty. So what's got to happen? What's got to happen other than going – if Cincinnati goes undefeated, what has to happen for Cincinnati to get a fair hearing on this? Is it, Mark Blauschen, is there a path for Cincinnati? And if so, what is it? Yeah, there is, and but they but it'll be sturdy. But they need to beat uh, Central Florida by like by three touchdowns. I mean, if we do that in in, in Orlando, that's going to get people's attention. And then then they go do the same thing to Tulsa again. When they do that, then they're sitting there. When they're sitting there, and obviously they're going to win the championship game against one of the teams they've already beaten. So so which uh, we beat, beat the team twice. So that 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 will be, be a factor. But but if they have to win big over the next two weeks. 
I mean, that's what they have to do. Yeah, and, and Notre Dame has to lose. Notre Dame has to lose a game, probably, you know, either get whomped by Clemson or, or better yet, get get upset in one of their final uh, regular ACC games. I mean, that has to happen. And then Alabama has to, you know, put a, a beat down on, on Florida or, you know, not even that. It just Alabama has to do what Alabama does. Uh, and then, you know, Texas A&M has to not make a great case for itself. Yeah, they, they've got to be sitting there as one of the few unbeatens uh, to have a, a, a legitimate shot. All right, guys, let me ask you this. Oklahoma State, Bedlam, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, if the Cowboys lose, it is, it's over. It's probably over now, isn't it, Mark Blaston, in terms of the Big 12 getting somebody in? But if Oklahoma State loses to Oklahoma, it's over, right? No, I think it's. I think you got it right. I think it's over no matter what happens. I think they're they're looking at the Cotton Bowl for the, for the champion of, of, of the of the Big Twelve, and that's as far as they're going to go. I mean, uh, I, I don't see any. It's going to take a lot of upsets for a lot of teams for, for the Big Twelve champion to get in the Final Four. I think. Yeah, the only chance the only chance is is a one loss Oklahoma State. I mean, that's the only one loss team left Possibly. in the league. Yeah. Yeah, possible, Herbie. You're right. But it's yeah. still, still a stretch. It is It is absolutely still a stretch. All right, one final thing, guys. I want to talk about the Heisman Trophy. A week ago in TMG, on TMG Sports, uh, I wrote that Kyle Trask should be in the Heisman Trophy discussion. Well, after Saturday, he's got he had six touchdown passes Saturday. Uh, in a big win over Arkansas, he now has 28 touchdown passes in six games. That's more than Joe Burrow had in his six his six games last year, and more than Tua Tagovailoa had in his six games. This guy has come out of nowhere. He has got to be, in my opinion, he's got to be in top three in the Heisman. Mark Blaschen. Oh, I, I I agree, and again, it's going to come down to like the TV. Uh, it's, it's a TV award, and how he does his hotel, his whole high school career, uh, his campaign will be how he does against Alabama in the SEC yep. title game. I mean, that's right. it. And but, but I'll mention the name that, that that's not on anyone's radar screen right now. But I guarantee, you, I guarantee you, he will become a contender instantly if he has if he has a big game. Uh, on uh, on November 26th, that is, if North Carolina and Sam Howe comes out and throws five touchdown passes against Notre Dame on national TV, you know he's going to be a factor. He, I mean, because he's um, he's had 61 touchdown passes in his career. He's a sophomore. Right, he's right game, Blau, wrong, wrong quarterback. He's be named. Right game, Blau, wrong quarterback. I think you got to throw Ian Book in there the way he's playing. Well, I think like you're right, but 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 it, yeah, but they play each other. So the winner of that game, the winner of the quarterback, the winning quarterback of that game will be a contender. And here's to your point about um, you know about Kyle Trask. The SEC championship game is December 19th. Heisman ballots are now due December 21st. Right. That's it. That's his game. You're right. Right. Yeah, and you know I think this thing ebbs and flows. I mean. Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and, and, you know, maybe Mac Jones, but, but certainly Fields and Lawrence, you know, if you take them all at an even spot, I, I still think that, you know, they, they're really, really serious candidates along with Trask and, and, and some of these other names. Well, it is going to be fascinating, uh, 
fascinating down the stretch to see how, how things are, how it goes for Mac Jones at Alabama, who's, who's basically lighting things up. Uh, obviously, Justin Fields, obviously Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence needs to get back on the football field. I will say that. Uh, let's see what he does. Uh, see what he does this weekend. Clemson. What he does with Clemson. I think Clemson has Florida State. But anyway, well, gentlemen, l- let me say it's been a thrill to be with you again. It is. Uh, we continue to dodge, try to dodge the COVID virus as best we can. Uh, we'll see how many games get uh, get played down the stretch. And Herb Gould said it right. Everybody's got to be adjustable and uh, uh, flexible and see how many games we in, end up playing. Before we go, I want once again to thank our sponsor, APA, APBA, the unchallenged king of realistic high-quality sports simulation products. And again, we want to give our shout-out to David at Revelation Studios in Mansfield, Texas. All right, folks, we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us here on the TMG Podcast. For Mark Blouch and Herb Gould and Tom Lucci, I'm Tony Barnhart. Carry on.